I think it's pretty clear that the primary uh, subject matter of Mo Better Blues is what I discussed in the previous podcast piece around uh, framed in terms of the phallus. And in that way is a continuation of themes in school days around the formation of masculine identity. As I tried to show previously, that works at both the abstract uh, psychic level and also at the material level as Spike Lee through Bleak and Shadow, but particularly through Bleak, is trying to explore both the psychic dimension of, of struggle for masculine formation over the phallus and is attentive to how it plays out materially in the world. Of course, in terms of the artistry of, of, of the stage and how masculine identity has a certain kind of relation to uh, cultural production but also the way that is a stage that embodies or, or in that way is a kind of model for different forms of masculine relationship that are not about the one and sole owner of the phallus, but rather a space in which uh, men can be beautiful to other men. But the film does continually come back to how all of this battle on the stage around the phallus actually plays out in terms of Bleak and Shadow's relationship to women generally but in particular to Clark who is a lover they both share across the film uh, share in terms of you know have a, a, a sexual relationship with her but also share as a site primarily what I mean by that is they share as a site of phallic struggle right, which obscures and uh, really obliterates her humanity I think we get glimpses of Clark's humanity at the close of the near the close of the film when she uh, is invited to be a part of Shadow's band and uh, gets to you know, fulfill, fulfill her aspiration as a jazz singer. For me, that is one of these moments where Spike Lee, through Shadow, who's a secondary character, but nevertheless is central to this uh, psychological and, and identity formation plot around the phallus, with uh, the, the plot line or plot arc around... Um, Clark, I think we do get to see how Shadow's capacity to relinquish the phallus, right, to share the stage in a non-phallic way with Clark is a different, also a different relationship between men and women. But even that is something more like a hint, right? It's just a very uh, quick uh, suggestion. Really, the crux of the film is, is that struggle between Bleak and Shadow over the phallus. But the film has other themes that I think are worth picking up that are secondary in this particular film, but move in other ways uh, to the center of his films that follow Mo Better Blues. I want to talk uh, specifically about the role of children or Spike Lee's conception of children and uh, this phrase that I use, uh, women's work, and how Spike Lee draws a portrait of women's work and uh, leaves it, I think, in the interrogative, because especially in Mo Better Blues, there are lots of questions for us to ask around this or lay, uh, you know, that lay in front of us as we exit the film. And I'll talk about that. But the portrait is also just thinking about what kind of work do women do in the case of Mo Better Blues in terms of masculine formation in a sort of post-phallocratic struggle. That's bleak struggle. That's the close of the film with bleak. But I want to start with just a couple of remarks on children. I think it's really interesting to me to see 
the, the way children are the outro of do the right thing and then are the intro and also part of the, the final scene of Mo Better Blues. I said at the, the close of my second podcast piece on do the right thing that Spike Lee, I think, says something really important at the end of that film when the camera draws out and shows children repopulating the street, the street that had been occupied by police, by a riot, by the death of an innocent black person, that the children repopulate the street with play, not with mourning, not with melancholia, not with regret, not with fear, but with play. There's something really important there, I think Spike Lee is saying, through children as a figure, that is that life goes on and that life goes on in a mode that is not wholly bound to or controlled by uh, what preceded it, right? Anti-black violence, that anti-black violence isn't the entirety of black life in that corner of Brooklyn or anywhere. And children are a figure for that because that's something about the way children play with a certain kind of abandonment and a certain freedom from memory and history. And whether that's an idealization or a caricature, I, I don't really care. I'm thinking about how they function in the film. They open the film in Mo Better Blues and are key to the close. And in some ways, I don't want to say, I don't have that much to say about the role of children in Mo Better Blues, except to just say this, that Spike Lee absolutely loves black children. The way he films them, the way he lets them talk, is uh, really amazing and unlike most of his other uh, other elements of his films. I want to think a lot about childhood when I talk about uh, Red Hook Summer, which is a much more complicated part of its. He's talking about teenagers, but a much more complicated exploration of the lives of of children. But in the case of the end of Do the Right Thing and then the beginning and close of Mo Better Blues, he just, the camera, is just in love with children. He loves their movements, the sound of their voices, the way they move, they run in this sort of chaotic, the way their limbs fly all around. And there's something really beautiful about the way he just lets children be children on the screen. I don't think that that's just an idealization of childhood or even uh, almost a canned, I think you could see it as almost like a canned portrait of children, that children play with abandon and adults play uh, with restraint. Uh, that's just a truism, you know, it's a, it's a fact of, of the world and it is a, a classic and in some ways kind of boring cinematic trope. But I think racial difference matters here. And this gets back to what I articulated at the very beginning and keep coming back to in terms of a black studies hermeneutic. That if we think about this representation of black children in Mo Better Blues, it is also about putting black bodies and black people on the screen. And in doing so, in the way he puts children on the screen in Mo Better Blues, it is its own kind of radical intervention. What makes it a radical intervention is that, and this is something we'll, we'll have a lot of time to talk about when, when I talk about Crooklyn, uh, that black children in some ways don't have a childhood in the way that we might imagine or talk about white children having a childhood. 
that's part of the persistence, persistent presence of state violence, of anti-black violence, and just the, the deep psychological and, and emotional struggles that come with centuries of marginalization, oppression, and persecution. That what it means to be black and to be a child is in some ways a contradiction in terms. And so the struggle to be both black and a child is something that Spike Lee, I think, wrestles with in Crooklyn. He certainly wrestles with it in Red Hook Summer. But in Mo' Better Blues, I think there's this, I, I search for a word, almost like a flippant, uh, but really a really defiant act, right? Where Spike Lee's like, you know, I'm not going to debate whether or not black children are children. I'm going to have them be ecstatic, extended out into the world without restraint. And just be loud, be obnoxious, be silly, be all about play and resistant to the adult world. That's how they're going to exist in my film. And in doing so, he's able at the beginning and end of the film to have this little pack of children running to play baseball. I love the presence of baseball in this film. I think it's really interesting and it it tries to harken back to you know deep roots in uh, New York City and in Brooklyn around the Dodgers. Um, but the way that they're uh, dedicated only to play and he lets them have that contrast with children, or sorry, with adults, lets children have a contrast with adults and a contrast that's almost cartoonish, right? That they're complete abandoned in play is contrasted with, uh, at the beginning of the film, Bleak and his mother. His mother won't let him play uh, baseball, go out and run around with children until he's finished his trumpet lessons. Bleak clearly wants to go play with his friends. The mother won't let him. She uh, you know, insists that he stay inside the apartment and play scales and practice. And when he does that, uh, or when she does that and he stays and his father says a couple of words of, oh, let the boy play. But the father is too absorbed in his in his uh, in, in watching a, a baseball game on television, and he doesn't really intervene, right? He just lets Bleak's childhood be compromised in that moment in the way that we're made to to see has been how it was compromised uh, for the entirety of Bleak's childhood. Now, when I talk about this in class, I think that there's a legitimate and important push by the students, and I certainly, if they don't, I, I push it out there into conversation that Spike Lee has set up the mother as a sort of um, a thief of, of childhood. And I think there is a, an element in which that is true. And I'll talk about that in one second. But we do also have to understand that according to the character Bleak in the film, right? what we know about Bleak across the film is that he's a musical genius. And so I really also push back against, I think you can hold both at the same time, that the mother's work, which I, this is my transition into this question of women's work, that the mother's work is to suppress his, his childhood at one level, but it's also to cultivate his genius. So I don't think that we're meant to see at the end of the film what his mother did as an abjection of, of, of Bleak's identity as a child but rather the cultivation of his real genius, that were she not there, we would never know his musical contribution, his contribution to our art and culture. That, I think, is absolutely central to the film, but it does lure us into this idea that the mother is denying bleak childhood. 
But that gets to this question, right, of of women's work in the domestic sphere, which is on the bookends of the film, absolutely the critical theme of Mo Better Blues. The center of the film, right, the, the main body of the film, is really about phallic struggle. But if phallic struggle is is critical to this notion of masculine identity formation, right, and, and all these problematic ways that Lee lays out, we also have to ask about the role of women Right, of mothers and wives in that process of masculine identification, self-identification. And at the beginning, that's the mother, right, understanding her child's genius, but also knowing that to cultivate that genius is to push against both the immaturity of her child, who has a right to his immaturity, that's why we, we discipline, direct, and tell children what to do, but also the immaturity of her husband, who can't be bothered to turn away from a game to be a part of the formation of this child's identity, in this case as a musician, not even to begin to talk about as a boy and, and, and as a man. I think this takes on, not I think, it absolutely takes on a different pitch at the end of the film. Really the film in some ways is about two songs, right? The battle between bleak and shadow, around the phallus, then the moment they play Mo Better Blues, where they show a different model where, where masculine connection and masculine, masculine identification is through love and beauty rather than through struggle and power. So it's, in some ways, I think the body of the film is really just about those two songs. But it's a whole separate film the moment that Bleak is beaten, uh, cuts his lip in the scar tissue, uh, and they're beaten by uh, bookies who are, you know, a, a sort of henchmen for a bookie who is um, is keeping Spike Lee's character uh, or collecting Spike Lee's character's debt. Bleak steps in to defend him. is beaten. The scar tissue on his lip means he can't play a uh, his instrument any longer. And I have to say that this is one of these moments where, you know, I, I think that Spike Lee... I absolutely commend Spike Lee and love this about Spike Lee. He employs actors who not, are not always the best possible actors in order, really, I think, to build resumes. But we see in the case of Denzel Washington starring in this film, and Wesley Snipes, but in this case, Denzel Washington starring in this film, what Spike Lee can get out of and do with, as a filmmaker, do with a, a really elite actor. You know, Denzel Washington, in some ways, in Mo Better Blues, is you know, more handsome than any human on earth. And there's something just uh, electric about his presence on the screen. But he's also an immensely talented actor that comes out in this film. And it comes out for me in, in some of the best ways when he, he listens to Clark play with Shadow. She sings a beautiful song. And he gets on the stage and everybody claps and he can't play his, his trumpet. And the way Denzel Washington goes through the emotions of, of coming into the club, going onto the stage, failing to play, and walking out of the club is to me some of the best acting I've ever seen on a screen. But that moment where he realizes that he will never have this capacity as a man to struggle for phallic power in the way that he always had the way his own boyhood was about the mastery of this instrument and the way his manhood was related to his mastery over the stage and other musicians. 
that's no longer a possibility for him. And so what he does is goes and finds Indigo, one of his ex-lovers. They make up. He begs, you know, take me back. And he actually says this phrase, and it's interesting to teach this. So anybody who teaches this film, I'm, I'm always curious how they deal with this moment where he says, fix me. And it's really important, uh, you know, certainly my students, and I, I love this about them, it's a generational moment of, of immense progress, see that as a deeply problematic way to enter a relationship. I mean, they're right, okay? The way it functions in the film is not to be uh, problematic. That's certainly the way we read it and see it and ought to read it and see it in terms of if these were real people. But the way it plays out in the film is that Bleak understands that the entire model of his own identity is gone. Not only, you know, he's not a musician, it's not that he loses, just loses his capacity to express himself through music, but that the way he is and who he is as a man was so connected to that sense of the stage that his failure to play is like this final emasculation that doesn't look to build the same masculinity again through some other means, but is instead uh, Bleak's moment of saying another masculinity must be possible. And for that, he needs to be rebuilt. But this is where Spike Lee, again, in the mode of portraiture, and I don't know that we can have any grounds to say it's prescriptive or normative, uh, although I think that's a really interesting conversation to have, but in, in terms of inside the film, I don't think we have any justification for it inside any of his films, really. But there's no way for him to rebuild that sense of his masculinity without revisiting, right, the scene, the original scene of his own identity formation, which is his relationship with the woman. His relationship with the woman that begins the film is his relationship with his mother. Does that make then Indigo, who then he marries and they have a child together, does that make Indigo his mother in some ways? Or, you know, that he wanted to marry his mother and, and then we can either snark or actually explore in complex ways uh, that as a certain kind of pathology. Well, I'm less interested just, I mean, this is just me constitutionally, less interested in critiquing those kinds of moves and instead just asking, like, what is being achieved in this? Like, what, is, what are the terms of this? And what I think is that mother and wife are actually not the correct categories for understanding this dynamic, but instead this broader phrase, women's work. That what Spike Lee is underscoring is that the role and whether this is, 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 cross-racial or racially specific. I mean, Spike Lee always makes films about black people, and, and that's true about Mo' Better Blues, you know, aside from a you know, fairly anti-Semitic depiction of club owners, um, there are no white people in the film. That's, that's really important. But So maybe he's making a, a sort of racially, culturally specific claim about this, uh, not claim, but uh, drawing a portrait that's racially specific around women's work, or maybe it's more broad. You know, I don't know. I'm not concerned with the broad. I'm concerned with, with, you know, what is it doing inside the film? Women's work. And what that women's work is, is, is an alternative way of understanding identity formation. That is this tension with his mother. 
because that's what children uh, and parents have. They have tension and struggle, right? To be an independent person is in some way to finally wrest yourself free through some sort of conquest of your parent or parents. That's to me, seems to be a sort of basic psychological development of a human being. But in this case, Spike Lee has Bleak revisit the same scene, the same apartment, the same children running up to the door, asking Bleak's son at the close of the film, who's named Miles, you know, can Miles come out and play baseball? And the mother, Indigo, says, you know, he's working on his trumpet. You have to wait. And then Bleak steps in. And what's interesting in that moment is uh, that, you know, and the reactions to this in my classrooms are, are so wildly different. I never know what people are going to say. But he says, let the boy play. And she sort of rolls her eyes at him and the kid runs out and they exchange a look. And, you know, a lot of students will say, like, he, you know, contradicted her, disrespected her. Um, it's not filmed that way. You know, we, we could say that, you know, Somehow, you know, you know, a mother and a father in the same home have to always agree in front of their children. Or, you know, that's maybe a parenting strategy question. But the way it's filmed really is that that they, you know, she rolls her eyes at him. He smirks in a charming way. And then they embrace and watch their kid run off with his friends. And what this does, I think, in terms of this problem or question of the phallus is connect the relationship between children and women's work to say that women's work is this moment of building a different an alternative model of identity right that bleak is able to be in the domestic sphere and to be a different kind of presence but only if he in these moments chooses to allow both himself and his own son to detach from his own conception bleak's own conception of the phallus and find different modes of identification through play, but also through a different kind of relationship with his mother and with his father. And in that moment where the mother is not going to say, you know, you know, practice your scales so that you can fulfill your musical genius, but instead will concede, right, or I roll her way into, yeah, go ahead and go out and play with your friends, along with the father that co-presence of the parents rather than the contradiction of the parents is this moment of saying a different kind of masculinity is possible, right? A different kind of boyhood is possible. That becomes a different manhood as they grow. Again, these terms I really mean in the psychoanalytic dimension, right? In terms of relationships and non-relationships to the phallus. So for me, what the, what the close of do of uh, Mo Better Blues does is reconnect childhood to women's work and allow us to see or at least begin to ask because again back to the interrogative mode to get us to ask is it the case that Spike Lee or, or in what ways is Spike Lee offering an alternative vision of the possibilities for boyhood and manhood not with an answer or an alternative model, but an alternative, alternative dynamic that locates that identity formation in play rather than contestation and battle. And that difference between play and war, because that's what really Shadow and Bleak have, is war between them. That is then a war played out through women's bodies, Clark's body in particular, 
Clark has her own agency, but in their, under their gaze, she's a battlefield for their war. Play is different than war. Play, as Lee portrays it, right, because it's a cinematic concept here, not a broad concept. Cinematically, inside the film, play and childhood and boyhood is this dimension of, of chaos, right? They're agents of chaos, but in ways that bring pleasure and happiness. And the, as you hear the children run off, you see Bleak and Indigo transformed facially, right? They're, they they admire each other and they look out the window with deep joy and satisfaction. And I think for me, it raises the question through the film, or the film, I should say, raises the question through play and pleasure is a different kind of boyhood and a different kind of manhood possible. And if a different kind of boyhood and manhood is possible through play and pleasure and that, you know, what chaos means in that context, what would be the relationship between those men and women? How could it be more like the moment Bleak and Shadow play together in the title track song, Mo' Better Blues? What way could it lead to that dimension of a relationship, not just between men, which because on the stage, that's them playing, right, with pleasure. Not just a relationship between men, but the way that relationships between men become relationships between men and women. This is only a question. It's like an ellipsis, right? It, it leads us somewhere. But where it leads us, I think, is back to ourselves. And to ask ourselves, you know, what is the relationship between women's work, childhood, and masculine identity? And how, in the end, are all of those things changed when one eliminates the struggle for phallic power as the alpha and omega of men's existence? <laughs>